Good afternoon, Dave. Isn't it? It's a lovely afternoon. Is this our first time recording? This is our first OB. OB? Outside broadcast. Definitely. We were, have we recorded outside in a beer garden before? I don't even think we have, have we? I don't think so, no. I think we always tend to think that outside means loud. Yes. So we are sitting at Carlton Gardens. Um, it's interesting because I said to you, it's such a beautiful day. Well, not those words, but my implication was it's a beautiful day. Let's find a park. Eh? Yeah. And I was actually thinking before Gabs next year, we should record out in a park, in this park. Yeah, okay. Because um, it would be kind of a fun way to, you know, and here we are trying it out, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Giving it a trial run. And, and that's w- what these days are for, right? It's 28 degrees out. Something like that. Um, now, the one of the things that, that people often say is, you know, craft beer, it's too big, it's too, like, you know, on a hot day like True this, it you're, is. Out, you're out in a park, you don't, you know, you want you don't want a big imperial stout or Like sour. I said with um, my analysis of the Mexican beer, yeah. in that context, yeah. it makes perfect sense. So, so we often see days like that here, Yeah. so why aren't we embracing the light lagers and that sort of stuff, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so I guess as a result of that, Dave, you've brought along a pretty easy drinking... Um, Something beer. that suits and fits the day. Yeah, what is uh, it? Today we are drinking the uh, 11% Simtra from Knee Deep Brewing. Yeah, triple IPA. Mm. It's um, 11%, probably 100, 100 plus IBU. At least, yeah. Tell you what, on a day like this, it is refreshing it just hits my palate. Spots, yeah. I could imagine drinking this. Mowing the lawns, perfect occasion Definitely. for this. Yeah, Man, after a long run. After a long run. In a, it's a sh- bit of a sh- shower beer, I would have thought. What about when your friends come over? They're not really craft drinkers. Oh, it's you so know, approachable. You, you want to have something approachable in the definitely, fridge all the time. Definitely. Maybe a knee deep Simtra. Mm, definitely. Back, we are back. Um, now, this episode, we will be speaking to Paul Mercurio, mm-hmm. the famous Paul Mercurio. There's uh, two of them. One's a comedian. I don't know if you're aware of that. I'd not. In I was America, aware of that. really. I wonder if, considering they're both in the entertainment space, at different times. I wonder if that ever gets confusing for. Um, I reckon not. Hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, more on that later on. We recorded that two days ago. Mm. Old news, man. Old news, yeah. Feels like a lifetime ago. So much has happened since then. Hasn't it? I've grown as a person, I know that. I've got an ant on me. It's podcast yeah. first. So I've got some news for us, Dave. Let's attack it, eh? Southern Tier and Victory. Have you heard about these guys? I have, yeah. So they've teamed up as a... Uh, so it's kind of a coalition under one private equity banner. Um, so a private equity firm has sort of bought out them in a way. I don't really understand the structure, but private equity is pretty confusing to me. Do you know much about private I equity? I don't, yeah, yeah. Maybe I wish we'd done some homework. So I actually used to work for a company that was bought and sold by private equity. It was brutal. They uh, they know how to gut a company. Not saying it's going to happen in this case. But um, but in my experience, they're not, you know, they're, they're, I, from my they're understanding. They're hatchet man, yeah. Yeah, they're buying it for investors and um, they want to get a return on that investment. Uh, and in our case, I saw a lot of good people lose their jobs <laughs> as a result. Uh, but that's my one experience in the greater scheme. True. 
anyway, it'd be interesting to see how that happens. Both of them, we get some, we don't get any more Southern Tier, but we get some victory, don't we? Yes. Um, I've always enjoyed their beers. Yeah. I. Mm, yeah, back in the days that we used to get the Southern Tier beers, I used to really like them, but mm. I think with evolving palates, it's probably not what I'd be seeking out these days. Cream really. Brulee Stout was the one that everyone raved about. Uh, so, like, that one, funnily enough, that's the one that I, probably five years ago, six years ago, I flipped out on that beer. And when it came back here and I bought three bottles of it, drank wine and went, ooh, this is hot. This is big and hot. And mm. I don't know if I like it. So I left it for a while. And I had a bottle just a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Tasting really delicious. So really? I might leave my other one for another year or so and see how it goes. So I've had it once and it was far too sweet for me. Mm. Uh, oh, I don't, don't it's, think a I sweet, it's a sweet beer. There's it's no the kind of beer that I went, I had, you know, two mouthfuls and went, yep, don't even want to drink that again. Mm. I know what it is now and that's, yeah. But also their IPAs are pretty sweet as well. Yeah. They were pretty big, so they weren't unpleasant, but um, they were quite large. Hmm. Oh, well, it'd be interesting to see uh, how that goes. And I do, I do well, admittedly... It'd be interesting to see if, if it changes their reach. Definitely. Mm. And I do admittedly like seeing how... I like seeing two companies sort of team up. It makes sense. Yep. Uh, in this kind of market where, you know, you're both pretty small, but together you can throw a bit more weight around. So Definitely. And I quite enjoy all the... Well, there's not many beers that Victory have brought out that I haven't enjoyed. Yeah. I've they had that push maybe a year ago, and they had that... Um, Primer Pilsner, which was yeah. really really good. So that's kind of quite often if you're if you're looking at American discussions on you know entry level beers, uh, they have Simtra, obviously, right? And then Primer Pils, yeah. Okay. Other one. If you want a bit more of a challenge, yeah, a bit more challenging. The, the Primer Pils. <laughs> um, all right. Next on my list, hop shortage. Everyone's talking about the hop shortage. There's damaged crops here in Australia. Did that not happen a couple of years ago as well? Oh, no, no, not here. In America, there was a hop shortage. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's partly, you know, the damaged crops um, here in Australia, um, hop products Australia have, have had a few issues. They're not really sure on the impacts of it yet, but also the obviously increasing demand and America as well as, uh, it's, as a whole. Um, I did read an interesting article and I, I didn't save it and I'm not sure where it was, so I have to dig it out of my history, but... Saying that, yeah, this year might be a little bit painful, but next year is going to be a boom because everyone's kind of planting and planting crops. To, to do you think that um, these shortages spark innovation in from brewers? Um, that's been one narrative I've seen being pushed. Because I remember when we couldn't get the big American hops maybe two years ago, the likes of Ella came along yeah. and started to be used with um, pretty. Uh, well, consistently, really. Uh, and then I think Mosaic was another one that sort of was a star off the back of that. Yeah. Um, so there's an article on the Crafty Pine. Have you read that one? No, I haven't. So he talked to I think, four hot producers and then a supplier in uh, Bintani. And yeah, it was interesting getting their take on it. They've all, all you know, obviously cl- closer to it than us. So what do they think the impacts were going to be? Um, that people are going to have to. So there's a couple of like people saying, you know, subs- if you're using Galaxy as your main hop, substitute you know yep. 10% of that with another hop and then sort of see how much you can get away with yeah in terms of substitution um someone else said sort of less fashionable hops um you know the like comet i think was one thrown around this might be where we talked a couple of episodes ago now to um derek at bad shepherd mm. and his flagship uh pale ale uses what was it uh, crystal crystal mm. that might Crystal the hop, not the malt. Yeah, that might develop as a, a mainstay where some other popular pale ales might um, have to be modified and amended a little bit. So I um, also put the question out there on the Facebook and on the Twitter about 
as a customer, I don't really care what what names of the hops are or what they are going in there. Um, so, yeah, as long as the beer's good, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, true. I think it's like a... I don't know if too many people really live and die by the hop varieties mm. that they like or dislike. I know certain hops have got um, their own friends and enemies, but mm. I don't know. When I asked the question, Sriracha Ace was the one that came up the most with people going, man, I really want to avoid that hop, or people said I really want to drink or get that hop. So I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I think it's... Um, I think from what I've sort of ascertained that a lot of hops... I don't think many hops work well with single hop beers. And we had like a flurry of Mikula, uh Bridge Road, Brewdog releasing mm-hmm. all these sing, uh, single hop series. And I think some performed a lot better than others and some didn't perform anywhere near a good level at all yep. for a standalone beer um, outside of a educational sort of context. Yep. So um, I have a feeling that there's a few people that may develop their... Um, ideas and preferences on hops around those sort of single hop things when yep. it might not be really the way it goes. I remember, I mean, because I, I, I was one of them who hated Sirachi Ace after mm. the Brewdog uh, single hop series. Mm. And then I had a, 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 a Sirachi Saison from Brooklyn. It was magnificent. That it is a really a much good better context to that hop. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I yeah, it's, I guess, in terms of um, hop utilisation, water profile... Uh, all the all the other variances that go along with it, then yeah, there's a lot more to it than just that one hop. Yeah, definitely. So was this purely the Aussie hop crops? No, or it was both it in America, in America as well. America too. Um, so I know that uh, Green Flash used like out of the world supply of Simcoe or something. They bought that they buy like a crazy amount, like forty yeah. percent or something like that. So yeah. I wonder what sort of impacts they'll see over there with their. Uh, well, the the one thing is a lot of guys like that in Greenflash for sure would have a lot of contracts. Um, so, you know, that they kind of get first dibs on that. And if, if they are using that much Simcoe, then I'd say they've got a, a, pretty, a pretty good relationship. Yeah, you would think so. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know too much about the finer points. I would really like to get um, Owen from Hop Products. Yeah, that'd um, be a good chat. And he's got that new sort of... Uh, showcase brewing or beer series coming out where it's going to be sort of single hop um, used in different ways which I think is going to be pretty interesting definitely I think single hop is a really um, useful educational tool so Mm. if you can extrapolate more information out of that theory then have at it what else on the list eh let's jump forward Ramjet Day yes this is an interesting concept Uh, for those that aren't aware Boat Rocker uh, one of our favourites doing a kind of a launch day for this year's Ramjet um, where it's 150 bucks and you go along and you basically get uh, a vertical tasting of all the Ramjets you get food you get barrel blending you can play around with different blends and I'm sure there'll be some of the other beers involved as sort well sort of uh, taking a little bit of a line from some American brew I'm sure it happens around the world but we yeah. sort of hear about the US releases that yeah. uh, have this kind of fanfare it's fun yeah, I I'm, I um and looking at their their Facebook comments, I'm not I'm probably not going to go along. Uh, David, are you going? I don't think so. No. Um, but yeah, people seemed really excited for it, which is which is excellent. So, I guess seeing an Imperial Stout release day. Yeah, uh, I think it also like um, solidifies the vintage culture mm. as well. Like, if if people embrace that and like it, and they don't already grab some vintage bottles and 
experiment and notice the difference between the vintages. Mm. I think it's a good thing to um, establish that sort of culture. Um, yeah. The I guess the, the flip side of that is the the US scene is a bit of a in terms of release days, there's, you know, all sorts, and I think I've talked about it before, all sorts of paying homeless people to line up and get your allocation and that sort of a thing. So that's just, that's just good people <laughs> management. <laughs> Craigslist. Um, you Everyone's know, a winner there, huh? What did I see the other day? Someone was, I think, was trying to start a business where, like, you know, we can line up for you if you pay us money for beer releases. Again, who's the loser out of that? Society, mostly. Yeah, but I mean, it's not on a steep upturn <laughs> as it is. So. <laughs> Good <laughs> point. Um, <laughs> Let's ride the wave down, huh? But yeah, and that's kind of relo- resulted. And, and when you uh, you look at the sort of the beer trading, and there's kind of allegations of people hyping up their own in-market beers in the US because you know the whole different markets in the US. So right. people will hype up their limited release as a kind of a community to bump up their trade value of their beers, and so it's it's pretty messy. <laughs> It is, but it's kind of savvy, though, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I, I don't know. It definitely is murky the waters. It's yeah. It's a. I'm, I'm kind of glad that we're not in that situation mm. where, when there's a beer release, you have to kill yourself and hire a homeless person to get your fill. I think we. I don't think we'll really ever have that exclusivity mm. with our distribution because normally, like the pattern so far is as soon as you meet demand locally you start distribution like distribution nationally yeah yeah <laughs> so like one, once you're established you pretty much can get your beer to anyone that you yeah, want yeah so yeah definitely don't know if we'll find those um particular messes on these shores uh all right what about next watermelon warhead is about to get a national national release which i thought already happened well, I think they're putting it as part of their uh, year-round brew right. schedule. So, it's going to be a lot more Warhead around, I thought. Yeah, I thought they did that already. I feel I like I'm know. missing something here. Well, the other thing is I noticed that they did create some uh, brew pub series artwork. So, yep. I wonder if they're going to be packaging it under the brew pub series. Yeah, so I thought... It sort of goes against what they've t- told us though, isn't it? If it's a year-round release now, it mm. wouldn't be a brew pub series. Yeah, I read the, the press release and it, I wasn't really sure. Um, and and uh, it was my impression that that was already announced that they were going to package it. And oh well, it was announced years ago. Yeah, like it was. I think it was announced when it would have been the second, uh, the second brew pub series release after. What was the first one? Was it uh, Raging Flame? That might have been the first yep. one. Um, and that was a couple of years ago now, and mm. it was going to be the war here. I don't know if there's been. Have we uh, said the brewery name here for people that might not be aware? <laughs> Feral, Feral oh, Brewing. Did not? Uh, I'm not sure. Anyway, if you're not familiar, Feral Brewing... Uh, Synonymous with Watermelon Warhead. Yeah, they're Watermelon Warhead, which is a, a Berliner Weiss um, style. Barrel Agent Chardonnay, is it? And yeah, I think so. Uh, watermelon's added? Yeah. yeah. So it was actually a first release for Gabs um, here in... Whirlwind in, success. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I've, 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 had a, I, I've loved it at times, and I've had a bit of a couple of really dodgy ones before um, that weren't so good. What's the factor? Do you think uh, age does it need to have the f- like fresh no, the spritzing? The one that watermelon? I the, the couple that I've had that weren't so great were really like bready, as in bread dough yeast. Right, um, smelt like you know when you're proving yeast, and it's kind of got that that strong yeasty smell. It, that's kind of what it was, and yeah, it wasn't really that pleasant. Um, but I've had other ones that are yeah, 
when it's good, it's it's amazing. So yeah, it's really fun. I remember one of the uh, one of the good beer weeks must have been the second one, perhaps. There was a day that there was a bit of a um, a crawl post some big event, and I think everyone was just drinking watermelon warhead all day just because it was delicious. But uh, that oh, that batch was even less than two percent or whatever. It was was yeah, when yeah. they calculated the ABV prior to putting all the watermelons in that diluted yeah. it by whatever. Yeah. But it was just a delicious batch and everyone was going to town on it. So keep your eyes peeled. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up. So there's a, a brewery called Red Dot Brewery, which I is think there? Um, out west in, in Australia, in Melbourne here. And they are originally from, probably should look this up, Hong Kong, I think. Okay. But I'll, I'll correct that in the show notes if I'm wrong. Uh, and they've opened up kind of an outpost here in Melbourne. And they were in a little bit of a strife for um, worker worker laws. Oh, I did hear about that actually. Uh, yeah. So they were they weren't paying a welder, and apparently he was rubbish at his job. And that was their excuse for not paying, which is yep. ridiculous. Um, yeah. But he he won the case and through fair work. So um, not a great start for those guys. No, I haven't actually tried their beers. The beer was on tap uh, somewhere recently, and I, I didn't. What didn't what, try. what what do they make? Uh, it's pretty entry level in terms of. Um, I think it might have been a summer ale that I saw, okay. and I think they, yeah. They so after you've uh, dipped your toes in with Symmetra and Primer Pills, you might get yeah, a Yeah, step up to that, yeah. yeah okay. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, s- bad publicity so early in their career is and that's a deal. that's a real sore point for a lot of people. Like, you did, like, bad image, mm. not looking after your workers. They were um, looking for hiring a lot of staff recently, so, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens with them mm. and... Red Dot, was it? Yes, Red Dot. Okay. Um, What's the like significance of Red Dot? Don't know. Okay. Don't know. All right. Uh, Good Beer Week Gala is coming up. When is that? March 18th and 19th, I think. Okay. And that's kind of the, here in Melbourne, the... Um, it's the launch, the launch of Good of the Beer Week, essentially, because that's when they bring out the uh, program guide. Yep. You can see all the fun and frivolity that Good Beer Week is, a, is to... Uh, embark on this year and they they're also looking for volunteers to help out uh, I think if you volunteer you get a free session if you volunteer twice you get a free ticket to Gabs ooh nice uh, I volunteered nice and I think I might even be hosting a master class so if you're going along check out uh, master check out the master class because if you get me it might be good yeah if you get anyone else I wouldn't bother <laughs> yeah, probably be pretty out. rubbish yeah. um, but I'm looking forward to it so yeah it's always kind oh, of a good I day mean, if you're in Melbourne it's a great one yeah my phone keeps unlocking. Queensland craft beer permits. Did you see about no. this? There's, so I think the laws in Queensland were pretty prohibitive to being able to sell your beer at festivals. And um, if you own a brewery, you needed a separate bar license to sell your beer. Right, okay. So you couldn't just have a you know, brewery that people can come and get a growler fill. You needed to operate it or, or have that license extra. So they've changed that to be more in line, I think, with wineries. Where right. You can have a cellar door, you can go to a market. <laughs> if they change some other stuff to be aligned with wineries, it'd be a lot easier <laughs> for people to, to strip um, their wares, huh? Yeah, definitely. It's a good step, though. It is a good step. Um, it seems like an odd step to be behind the eight ball in the first place. but That's kind of the quirks of beer laws, I think. There's always there's always something that, you know, is with like growler fills, there's always that weird yeah, weight yeah. to measure law. Weight to measure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's really good to see positive steps in the Definitely. industry. Anything that helps people sell their product they've s- sweated over, it's good news. 
Now, speaking of Queensland, um, Bruce Vegas is happening next month as well. Yes. Which is kind of there. there. Should we shelve this and talk about it later? Well, uh, I'm teasing it. It's a teaser. Right, oh, yeah. right. those so listeners that otherwise would just stop halfway through and go, turn that dial to Mix 101 FM. Exactly. They might just go, hang on a second, I'll wait till Mercurio is done and then I'll hear about it. We're going to do a bit of a... uh, I've chosen five events, you've chosen five events about Queensland or Bruce Vegas. So stay tuned after the Paul Mercurio Mercurio interview coming up. We've got fun for you. Um, What else is left? The final one I've got is crowdfunding. Right. So I did a story about crowdfunding uh, or... Just a profile on someone who's doing crowdfunding on my on the site today. Oh, sorry, last week. Uh, Molly Rose Brewing. He's trying to raise three thousand bucks to basically buy a laptop. It's um, to fund a uh, explorative holiday to yeah. shape what the brand might be about. And the next, um, I also received a message from, um, oh, and I've just forgotten their name here. Oh yeah, cool. Vamp for me while I uh, look this up. Okay. What's with bees, huh? They're always going for those sweet nectar that we also like to enjoy. You want to shoo them away. And then you risk agitating them, increasing the likelihood that you might get stung. I don't know. So we got messaged by uh, Valhalla Brewing, who are crowdfunding $5,000 to get started to get a, um, a black IPA out there, or Cascadian Dark Ale, or as they call it, Whatever just a Dark Ale. Whatever you want to call it, yeah. Um, so I feel like there was a bit of a lull in crowdfunding recently, wasn't there? Uh, it's kind of that hot, hot run. I guess Black Hop, Black Hops did theirs recently as well. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if it's a, if it's the success that people might like it to be. Mm. I don't think I have. I, have a f- I think that uh, the people that are likely to contribute to crowdfunds in the beer world are a bunch of cynics. So I think that it needs to be a good sell yeah. for that to work. Yep. And we've seen a few people not be prepared with their crowdfunding pitches. Mm. Uh, and even if it wasn't going to work in the first place, you got to have your shit ready. Otherwise, um, I remember you're Stone not um, basically redid theirs, didn't they? When they did their yeah. one, and they went from it being you know crowdfund the brewery to. Hey, this is just a big publicity thing, and you'll get awesome beers. Yeah, as a yeah, um, uh, yeah. I don't think crowdfunding necessarily consistently positive method for mm. craft beer. Mm. We're saying that Black Ops did a, a really quick turnaround on theirs, so and that kind of shows the support they had. Um, both the Obsidian one and the Molly Rose one are doing all right. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Good luck. Absolutely. Um, Looking at the perks of the Obsidian one um, and the, the Molly Rose one, I think they're they're reasonable. Yep. So uh, yeah, I think, and that's kind of the, the key, right? Like, you see some that have perks, and you're like, well, if I'm paying this, I'm not really getting anything. No, it's got, yeah, it's like very few people, except for those like crazy cases where some guy wanted a cheeseburger, so he put a GoFundMe for a cheeseburger, and he ended up getting like hundred and forty thousand dollars out of it. They're extremely rare outlying cases, so yeah. it's going to be pretty compelling that you're going to be contributing to something mm. that you get probably more back than you paid for in the first place. Yep. Um, that's got to be the idea, I think. Yes, or, or I guess, you know, if you're getting, a, say, a T-shirt or a beer about what you'd pay for that anyway. Yeah, it's got to be... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, check them out. Um, I, I am really interested in, in the Obsidian or the Valhalla one because it's a... A black IPA launch, which 
We've talked about black IPAs in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I guess I guess it's not the kind of launch beer you do for. No, and um, I think we also both we also both appreciate um, sort of getting away from the norm in yeah. that respect. So you yeah. did like to see that do well. Yeah, good on them. All right, so we have a break and then listen to a bit of Mercurio and then come back with some fun Bruce Vegas related content. Yes, good idea. So, welcome back to Bad Shepherd after a week away from Bad Shepherd. Why would we do it anywhere else, huh? Exactly. It's well, a, a great place. And welcome our guest, uh, Paul Mercurio. Welcome. Thank you for having me, and um, I'm very glad to be back here as well. I popped in here about three weeks ago for the very first time, and um, very impressed. So, I'm glad to be back. It's a good space. It's a great space. Um, great atmosphere. It's got a brewery, beer, good food, and uh, close to my heart, a smoke smoker. So um, I actually managed to talk uh, Diddy into letting me get out the back and have a look at the smoker and all of that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, very nice. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, we, uh, we didn't get a chance to look at it, but we got a chance to eat some of it. We ate day. food after we recorded. And, whoa, yeah. gee, it was pretty good, wasn't it? Uh, um, yeah, and I, I mean, we're back here again, um, and Emma's and Toda eat barbecue as well. So <laughs> I, I suspect if you have the um, food before you do the, the chat, you'll be a little bit quiet. We'll I don't think I can talk after a big yeah, feed, you know, a couple right. of beers, some smoked brisket, a couple of wings, some jalapeno poppers. No, nah, don't ask me anything. There's a reason why I've gone for a 3.5% beer to, to start off <laughs> things. I don't want to uh, <laughs> go too far before smoked meat. Now, Paul... Um, People would probably know you from, from various things over the years. Uh, you started out as a, a dancer. Are you still involved in the dance? Nope. Nope? No. I Only um, fielding all the questions that you get asked about yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, look, in terms of still dancing, I, I did do a double pirouette into an arabesque uh, in the kitchen this afternoon. Sure. Uh, and my wife um, was quite impressed. Um, it's nice. We've been married 28 years, and on occasion I can still impress her. But, uh, you know, I'll dance around the kitchen. Um, that's about it, really. I'm supposed to um, choreograph a movie um, this year. I was supposed to choreograph it last year. And they're just still trying to get funding and they're rewriting the script and all of that sort of thing. So, um, you know, if they get it together, maybe sometime this year I'll put the, the ballet tights back on and prance around. It won't be a good sight. How much time investment does that require to choreograph a movie? Um... It depends how many dance pieces are in it and all of that. Um, You know, I kind of go to... When you choreograph, you're you're choreographing um, uh, an hour. You take an hour to choreograph a minute or so, you know. So if you're doing a three-minute number, you might take half a day and then you polish it and, you know, all of that sort of thing. So So it's kind of like smoking smoking meat, right? It's a bit like smoking meat, I guess. Um, Not as slow, thankfully. Um, I think... um, yeah, I mean, you, look, there's heaps of preparation that goes into, you know, knowing what the dance is and what the movement. It's like creating a recipe, really. You you think about your recipe, you think about your ingredients, you start to put it together and see how it works, change it, you know, do, you know, adjust it and whatnot. And at the end of it, you might have a ballet if you're lucky. So, from the world of dance, uh, oh man, I hate being a Kiwi in Australia saying the word dance. Yeah. Dance. That's all right. <laughs> I, I'm a dancer, not a dancer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so how did you, um, you know, now you're kind of involved in the beer, and this is while you're on the show to talk about your yeah. beer um, thing. 
Obviously, this isn't a dance well, podcast. Second, I'm I was grossly misinformed about, about, about this to show. talk about the beer tour at some time. Um, the question is, how did I get from dancer, from being a ballet dancer into a uh, beer brewer or beer person? Um, back in the old days, I mean, I danced, I travelled around the world. Um, we used to perform at the Opera House. So I danced with Sydney Dance Company. And at the end of the show, you go to the green room and you want a couple of beers, of course. And in the green room, back in 1982, there were two beers in the fridge, VB and Cooper's Red. Um, I can't yeah, Cooper's Red isn't a bad one. Too. Right. Well, for 1982, the green room, I mean, us artistic types, I guess, wanted the, the slightly alternative beer. Um, I really couldn't drink the VB, even back then. Um, and so I'd drink the Cooper's Red, but on a dancer's wage, it was quite expensive. So um, my wife, God bless her, on our first wedding anniversary, uh, bought me a Cooper's homebrew kit. Uh, Good so move. 1988 saw me. St- that was the beginning of me um, starting to brew. And I guess um, from brewing, you know, it was canned kits and a kilo of sugar, and then it was, you know, chuck a few extra bits and pieces in, and then it was mini mash malt extracts, or you know. But then we were travelling around the world. Were you this. already like cooking? Not um, so much. I mean, I cooked a bit. Um, uh, yes, I had started cooking because um, I l- had lived on my own for a long time and I liked doing food and things. But and did that interest like help you just throw a few things and make you um, inc- like, interested in the home brewing? Absolutely. I think at some point in time I discovered that um, the, ma- the process of making beer is cooking. More or less. I mean, you know, canned kitten sugar is a bit like getting out your continental packet of French onion soup and maybe chucking a, a bit of stout in there or something. So, um, and travelling around the world and going to different countries and tasting the beer, especially when you go into, you know, you go to Greece and the, the beer in Greece isn't that brilliant, but you climb to the top of a hill on a 40 degree day and you have a cold beer and a lamb chop and it all makes sense. So... So I kept, and you know, mussels and fritz in <coughs> in Belgium. So I started to get that understanding of beer as, as a brewer, I guess. I kind of went, okay, I'm starting to get beer. And as a cook, I was starting to get food and understanding how they work together. And um, it's a great combination. So, and then sort of from there, do you still, um, you kind of do all grain brewing and all that? Or you kind of? Yeah, well, thankfully, I mean, the dream, like anyone, is to become a real brewer. Or a cleaner, as most of them say. Um, So I I eventually, um, I actually started my own beer label called Merck's Own. And um, I brought a B31550 from, oh dear, what are they, uh, more beer in America. And so that was a three-tier 50-litre mashing system. And so finally, you know, after many years of... You know, mini mash mold extract and all of that. I finally kind of started doing the mash. Graduated from stovetop yeah, brewing, yeah. and it was fantastic. And but that also is the same time I brought a beer out in in Melbourne. Um, it was Merck's own peach ale, and I contract brewed that at Holgate. And that I launched it in nineteen. Gee, uh, no, two thousand and four. I was going to say nineteen ninety something. though. it was two thousand and four. And you know, for six months we we were in about twenty eight bottle shops around Melbourne. Um, it was a real toe in the water. Um, some mates got sick of me saying, I really want to put a beer out, and they said, put some money up, and we did it. And, of course, um, the labelling was done by a friend and all that sort of thing, and it looked a little... What did you lo- do to hype it? Because that was sort of just before the the wave of... You know, I kicked Victorian myself. Victorian craft beer, yeah. I just go, I was right 
I was right at the forefront, you know, because I went back to my friends' investors and I said, look, um, we want to change the labelling. So we, we, we did some work on the labelling and I developed a couple of recipes on my home brew system and I said, look, you know, let's put these. One was a Kolsch and one was an Amber Ale, a typically American one. And I said, let's do this. And they went, oh, is it going to cost anything? I said, yeah, we need some more money. And they all ran. And that was the end of Merck's own brewing company. But it was smacking the, right at the front of the, the second coming of, of craft beer in Australia. And um, I was... I stuffed it. It's timing's everything, right? And this Absolutely. Um, and so from there, you've done sort of food TV. And, uh, and I, you put out a, one book about cooking with beer, is it? Yep, I've done three cookbooks. Three cookbooks. Um, the great thing... Uh, look, yeah, back in 2005 or six, I started... I just was luckily... Um, as an actor in this country, you've got to do anything and everything. So, you know, um, I went from dancer to, to choreographer to, um, you know, film actor to TV actor to television presenter to host to MC to, to musical theatre performer to cook to... I've dug ditches for plumbers, worked in restaurants, I've washed dishes. You know, you just got to do anything and everything. I've got three kids and a mortgage and all that. So, um, luckily, somehow, I, I always thought I'd love to do um, be a cook on TV. I'm not quite sure why, but I just thought... I guess I'm on telly and makes sense. I practice that in my kitchen all the time to my cat. He yeah. gets a little demo. To your <laughs> cat. Yeah. He's never been that thrilled with it either. Yeah, yeah. he hates it. Yeah, yeah. maybe it's something wrong. Maybe more anchovies. That's probably the right, yeah. <laughs> Tuna and anchovies. So I was working with a producer on a motorcycle pilot. And it was, you know, about motorcyclists riding around and, you know, all of that sort of thing. And he just so happened to be developing a food show for Channel 7. And he'd worked with this um, chef on this show and he was about to shoot um, the pilot and um, I, he rang me and we talked about the motorcycle thing and he said, oh, I, I asked him if he knew anything about the food show and he said, yeah, well, that's me actually, I'm doing it and I'm working with a, a chef and I'm sorry, um, we're shooting the pilot tomorrow, can't help you. 6.30 the next morning he rang me up and said, uh, my chef pulled out, camera crew and everything, we're heading down, we don't have a host can you come down and host the pilot for the food show? So I said, yep. Jumped on the bike, fanged it down. You've got to be in it to win it, right? You That's have to be. Fortune famous of brave, yep. I had a bottle of Merck's own peach ale, which I you know, put in different locations, you know, a little bit of free PR. And um, that was the beginning of me doing food TV, I guess. So, look, it helps. Um, passion helps. You know, I, I really like food. Um, I was the head chef of Red Rooster Hamilton Hill when I was 16. And, um, you know, I know how to pull a wing off a chicken. Yep, Strong yep. pedigree, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, training. <laughs> how do they make those cheesy nuggets? That's what I want oh, to no. know. Yeah, okay. We didn't have nuggets. <laughs> back then, we didn't have them. And you know what? The crime of it back then, when we used to do the chicken rolls, you'd get all the cold chickens from the night before, um, pull all the chicken off, and throw the wings away. Joking. Shocking. Nowadays, apparently, they sell them. But um, anyway, but, you know, passion's a great word, and it's, I'm sure, you know, with, with what you guys do, the the passion that brewers have and, and people in the food industry. So from my dance days and and I think sometimes from my choreographic days, you know, it's that creating something. So if I'm going to create a dish or I'm going to create food or I'm going to create a beer, it's just, it, it just gets me excited and, you know, I'm quite passionate about it. It's kind of no matter what industry you're in, if you're passionate about what you do, it always kind of comes across, I think. Absolutely. And it came, when I started doing the food show, I, I think that's, I was very inexperienced, you know. Um, the great thing about 
the beginning of the food show was I was just passionate and excited about the process and I wanted to do something different as well and so whereas you know normally people would go to wineries and all that I, I insisted on going to breweries and cooking with beer and so it was again something a bit different because I kind of figured too if you give people the same old same old what's the point? And those kind of shows um, that sort of cooking show um, they quite often get to breweries now you know if you look at say um, Coxie's Big Break for example he'll occasionally head to a brewery or something yeah. and it's kind of um, he's just copying me yeah yeah <laughs> um, look he, he's, he might have gone to a brewery before me but the company that made Mercurio's Menu which is yeah. the, the last cooking show I did they also made Coxie's yeah, and right. I did notice that um, after I'd been to a few places they started bringing the beer thing in a bit more um, I'm quite happy to say you know Maybe I inspired them to do that. Yeah, but, right. but I'm, also I'm going to go to the Brighter Days Festival in Bright on Labor Day weekend, and Coxie is emceeing the event, so I'll make sure to let him know. That, yeah, let um, him know. Tell him I said he stitched you I'm right just assuming there. he listens, right? Is he? Coxie, <laughs> you're on notice, all right? Yeah. He's, he's hosting the show. He's emceeing the event up at Bright uh, Brewery? I believe so. Uh, well, oh, really? it's not at the brewery, but it's just in, uh, on the river. Yep. Yeah, oh, I'll so. give him my love. I'll remind him. Yeah. I don't mind. Where a few of those ideas might have come from. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Damn you, Coxie, you stole my ideas. Imitation's the uh, some serious form of flattery, though, right? Apparently. Apparently. That's what imitated people have said. I don't think that's necessarily that true. That's yeah. No comment on that. That's how they sleep at night. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Um, and so I guess that sort of kicked off, I guess, your, your persona as sort of beer and food. Absolutely. The, the go-to guy, right? Yeah, with, um, I mean, I've always talked about beer and... and in fact, way before I did any cooking shows, I was on the um, midday show with Darren Hinch. And this was really um, Strictly Ballroom days. So Strictly Ballroom came out in 92. And, um, you know, I was fairly famous after that movie and all of that sort of thing. And so I was invited onto all sorts of TV shows. And I'm pretty sure probably 92 or 93, I went on the midday show that was hosted. Maybe it was later, actually, because my wife and I went on with Ray Martin. So a year or two later, I went on with uh, Darren Hinch and I brewed a Cooper's um, can kit live on TV. Yeah, right. Why and did they get Strictly Ballroom's Pomacurio to go and, and because, brew a beer? Because basically they think ballet dancers are poofs and they don't drink beer. Oh, I see. So, right. you know, um, and it's one, of those, it's one of those funny things. I was, if I ever did a, a um, autobiography, it'd be um, uh, ballet, beer and bikes because, you know, I've been a motorcyclist for, for um, 30 years or so. Um, and people find it quite weird that you're a ballet dancer, you brew beer, and you're a motorcyclist, so you don't fit into any box, which is good in one hand, but hard to get a job. <laughs> it's a unique combination. I, yeah, definitely. Um, there's probably not too many people in the world that have the, that sort of resume, right? Not too many. Not too many. Now, um, the reason you're, we've come, asked you to come along is you've also got a trip to Europe coming up. Do you want to uh, give us a little bit of a rundown on that? I'm going to have to put my glasses on. Can't um, do it all from memory? Well, no. I mean, I put this... Um, I've, I've been working with this, um, with a lady from um, Hello World, but um, listeners, please note, it's a Lower Temple Stowe Hello World. Um, Hello World's a lovely big franchise, but it's the Lower Temple Stowe right. office. And she approached me about doing a, a food tour to Italy. You know, it's like, Sapo Mercurio, eh, Mercurio. You know, you go and do the wine and food assistance. Plenty of hooks yeah. there, yeah, okay. Yeah. And, um, and I said, well, look, I'd love to do that, but I'm, I'm actually really into beer. So how about we do a beer tour? So we started to develop it, and um, who are the insight kind of helped with this, and they 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 put some ideas together. But it was obvious there were people that weren't beer people, 
like you go to Bruges or whatever and spend two days looking at castles and things and having a beer for lunch. So um, I did a bit of research and you know started to put together some places to go and got rid of the fluff. Um, if people look, I think it's a great couples tour. So if the if the one of the one part of the couple, whether it be the guy, or the girl, it doesn't really matter, wants to go and look at castles or whatever they can. But um, the tour is focused on you know beer and the culture of beer, and um, and hence you know we go to the world's largest beer museum, and then we go to the world's oldest brewery and the world's oldest Trappist brewery, and you know and um, and to you know the world's oldest maltings, and so it's. As people say, you've seen one brewery, you've seen them all. I still get excited any time I see a brewery. So I guess the tour is about a little bit about education. It's a bit about history. It's a bit about culture. It's a bit about what beer is, which is family and friends and having a good time. Yeah, if there's anywhere, I'm, I'm not a, probably one of those people that I'm not a huge fan of brewery tours, but um, some of the, the ones in, that I went to in Belgium are... It's so fascinating and so different to, you know, what we're looking at here. It's a different world, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, um, we're here at Bad Shepherd, and it's fantastic. And I've seen this sort of brewery all over the place. But I still love coming here, as you got, as you said at the beginning of um, the podcast. Um, but you know, it's a twelve hectare litre stainless steel kind of system, and they're all the same. But I think in Europe, um, there are some great stories, and we're going to go to uh, Pilsner Urquell, which I, you know, that's. How many 400 miles of tunnels, is that right, or, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Man, I've just been researching that beer the last couple of days um, pretty in-depth, so I should know that off the top of my head, you but should. I don't. Um, yeah, I'd look, uh, the tour takes two hours, so that's more than a brewery tour. And, you know, if you can get down in the caves and see the cobwebs and some old wooden vats, and, you know, I remember um, I was lucky enough to be an ambassador for Cooper's a long, long time ago, and um, I went to their brewery before they moved and I went into the the um, brewery where they still had the huge wooden vats you know open vats and, you, and it, like you go oh that's that is just to, to be to see that and to know that's where beer came from and so that's the point of the the going to the places that I've kind of picked in Europe hopefully we get a real sense of history and age and and you know where beer comes from rather than the big the stainless steel stuff we see nowadays in the in the micros so which countries are you uh, taking in? We're going to go, we stop in, we start in Belgium and we kind of run around Belgium for a bit and this is where I have to again put my glasses on and look at it. I mean look, all the, you know, all the information, I don't know, you're going to put one of these pamphlets up on the website? Yeah, we'll put it all up on the website as yeah. well along with the and It's on my Facebook page and paulmercurio.net and you know, it's all out there. Um, but we get into Belgium, um, we run around Belgium, we go to um, a, a wonderful uh, museum there and go to Bruges and Ghent and again try and get a sense of the towns but again it's not like a day tour of the town it's get to the town and get to the brewery and have a beer and soak up the culture in that sense so it's basically Belgium Germany the Czech Republic we pop into Holland uh, we go to um, La Trappe and of course um, as I said we go to the Prague um, go to Prague we do a bit of a beer crawl for three different little small micros and the, again the idea there is just get a real sense of um, what it would be like to be living there, you know. Um, it's, it's all four-star coach, Wi-Fi, get off the coach, have a few beers, get back on. I, I was talking to a brewer from, is it Brewdog in Abbotsford? It's Moondog. Moondog. Yes. Moondog. Sorry, I'm sorry, I forget that. Yeah, yeah, so dogs. dogs yeah, well, that, yeah, I spoke to one of the dogs down there, and he'd just done a tour like this. 
and I was talking about it and had the price on it and he said geez because he'd pretty much done it for the same time and spent a lot more money and you know if you're doing it on your own okay you can do trains and stuff but you know you can't you've got to be careful with what you're drinking and it really helps to get the chauffeur service yes from venues and that's why again you know it's um you know it's all taken care of you just got to enjoy it one of the um Probably one of the best memories, and you're talking about the culture and sort of what it's like to be a local. One of the best memories of, of Belgium was everyone on a, a trip, we did a beer cycling trip, um, bought, a, bought a couple of bottles either from where they were from or, or just along the way. And we sat by the river as the sun was going down in Ghent and just shared all of our, our beers. We took a couple of glasses each out of the hotel room and, you know, split up the beers. And it's kind of that, you know, you're not sitting in a pub, you're not drinking, we're drinking some Belgian beer, but, you know, it's just kind of a really nice so historic so awesome um such an awesome city and there's there's a couple of ways to enjoy it i mean i love going to a pub and meeting people and having a chat and and etc but um it's also a time and place and a smell you know the you smell the grass and you hear the bumblebees buzzing and the, the you know the breeze coming off the water and and you you're drinking something and you're having a laugh and you're with people and it's a whole new experience it's an experience you know, because we, you know, we can all be beer snobs at times and have our nose in the glass and try and pick out what hop that is and what yeast they're using and whether it's a little bit funky or not. And but you know, um, it really is about um, a moment. That maybe that's the romance about this tour, or that's the romance for me about beer. Um, and some of the, some of the stories I think in Europe help that moment. You know, you know, you're sitting at you know, X place and you can see, you know, a historic town and, or whatever, mm. it all sort of combines to that, you know, I'm on holiday, this is so lovely and I've had it, got a, a Pilsner that's just brewed, you know, 10 metres down the road kind of a mm. thing. And they've been making and drinking beer in their cultures for so long that they've got a really um, uh, ingrained beer cultures there and it's vastly different to what we have here. So it's Completely, I remember again, experience. going back to Strictly Ballroom days, I, I was flown over to Hamburg um, to do one TV interview, and um, you know, I, I, I arrived at about three thirty in the morning, and I had Gunter, who was this six foot eight um, uh, correspondent for the newspaper, and and Mikey, who was the he he decided he'd be my bodyguard because he thought I needed it, drove like a maniac, and I thought, uh, you know, okay, get to the hotel, have two hours sleep on my shirt. And Gunter was like, we should have breakfast, you know, straight down the beer hall, 4.30 in the morning at pretzels, wheat beer, a little bit of vice versa, home to the hotel after two beers on the shirt and straight to the, the station. And Loosened like, up, ready for a great interview. Yeah, Who needs jet lag, right? <laughs> well, you don't need it. You know, why stop and, and worry? But that's what you're talking about. It, it's that culture. It's that. It's a compl- and there were people in the pub at, you know, five o'clock having a beer and, and uh, a... Um, uh, a sausage and a pretzel and before they went off to work so they see beer and that's you know I, I live in Mornington and um, they do a big wine and food festival um, so people are you can go and taste wines and buy a glass of wine and get some food and wander up and down the street but you can't buy a beer they don't have beer at this festival and um, so people are walking around with 12% wine but you know Red Hill and Mornington Brewery and Dixon um, they can't sell a five percent beer, and it's just you know the, the way people are looking at beer, especially the I guess the police and the councils. It's all wrong, you know. And again, that's what we say: you go to Germany and you have a beer for breakfast, and everything's okay. No one's 
no one's doing anything terrible. So the culture is much more ingrained. You talked to, um, remember chatting to a lady in Belgium and she was saying, I think she might have been in her 60s or 70s, and she was saying when she was a kid, you know, they'd go to the cafe with their parents and have a little glass of Creek for the kids. Um, probably sweetened Creek, but it's still a, you know, a 5% beer for the kids. And, they, and she said it was like a big treat for them to go out and um, get that little glass. And it's probably better than a glass of Coke. Or oh, it's like probably that, yeah, so far yeah. better for you than that. <laughs> yes, it wouldn't have as much, um, as much sugar. Did you have Farrow when you were there? Yeah, I had a couple of Farrow, yep, yep. Because um, when I went to Belgium and, um, and France back in, I don't know, 87 or something, Farrow was almost a lost art, they were saying. So I was always very happy to see it come back. Definitely Lambic um, as a whole, anything to do with Lambic, is, is kind of rising again now in, in Belgium. I think no part, I guess no small part due to the American market being really crazy for it and by extent, you know, our market. Um, and I think two or three of them are now expanding. And so it's exciting if, if you know, you're interested in that kind of beer, which uh, we are. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Love it. So when was the last time you were uh, over in Europe? Oh, way too long ago. So yeah. you hopefully noticed Good time for a tour then, then hey? Yeah. Well, uh, look, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm sure I'll notice changes. Well, do you notice changes from the 12th century to the <laughs> yeah. 22nd? Yeah, relatively, know. it's not you a know, long time, is it? In yeah. a way, you don't. Um but yeah, it's been a fair while. I toured a lot, and a lot of my work in the last, you know, ten years or twenty years has been in America and Canada, um, really more so than Europe. So, again, that's when um, Lisa came along and said, you know, do a tour, and I said, let's do beer. Um, to, to get back to Europe would just be absolutely stunning. And if this tour works, um, I want to go and do a, a North American tour, um, you know, and, and go to some of the. You know some of the places that kicked off the craft scene over there, and in some ways the craft scene around the world. You know, so um, so this is the first one, and if it goes well and fills up, then um, you know it'd be great to do the American one and then do one or two a year if if you could kind of do that. So beer tourism, I mean tourism's huge, wine tourism's huge. Let's do beer. It's definitely um, changing. There's a couple of uh, beer cruises happening now out of the states where you know breweries hiring a, I think maybe half a cruise ship. And yeah, you go on a beer cruise with a brewery. So yeah, it's definitely changing and evolving that way. And I think as the market matures, and it's not just you know mid twenty year old guys with beards and hoodies trying to um, you know find the most hops or whatever. It's gonna do they do that? I thought they drank mass produced commercial stuff. Uh, it's a stereotype, I guess. Maybe it's guys in their third. I don't know. <laughs> You're gonna get into trouble here. Yeah. Um, and I guess I was thinking about you're saying about North America kicking it off it's probably one of the things you will notice in Europe is the influence that America's now having back on Belgium and Germany you know with places like Stone opening and canning IPAs in Germany which Munich, yeah. would have been unheard of 10 years ago um, um, do they have to do the Reinholzgebot or whatever that yeah do I they think have to stick to that law or because they're overseas yeah, no they still do brewing and, and selling sort of came, yeah. um, sort of came to light with new laws being passed that prohibit milk stouts mm. and I think they were planning to do a milk stout or two from that brew house so it's also the five, 500th anniversary of Ryan Heinz good book I can never say yeah, it Bavarian yeah, purity enough. law yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of six, six, 1567 yeah, yeah was it I, um, so one day you always try and remember in case someone says oh yeah I know I know about that law yeah, yeah. can't say it but yeah. I, I know what year it was <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think I, I would be interested to hear what you, you come across in terms of um, what's changed there as well, because 
seems to be well, that's the whole thing. I mean, you know, when we toured, I toured through Italy quite a lot, um, and back then it was just really your typical, you know, European pilsner that you were drinking everywhere. And I mean, nowadays they've got all these really quite, quite stunning. You know, I was going to say craft breweries, but um, I did announce when I hosted the the International Beer Awards, the Australian Awards last year, I said I'd given up craft. And, um, I mean, that came up, I've been thinking about that for a while, because there is a debate about, you know, what is, what isn't, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, in fact, one of the young guys that was serving the beer, um, I had a quick chat before the event started, and he kind of said, uh, he's, he's over craft. And I'm going, but, mate, you, you look like you're 22. How can you be over? And he just said, I just don't know what it is anymore, you know. I don't know, is it, is it, is it this, is it that, is it, you know, he was confused and, and I went, you know, you're right. I'm, um, I'm not so much confused, but I just, I'm, I'm over the term. Yeah, it's yeah. disgust to death and the word doesn't really <laughs> You know, so give up, I've given up craft, I just drink good beer. Yeah. So, you know, but there's a lot of little breweries in Italy and Japan and, and you know, there's even little breweries in China and. Um, I, I went to um, Buenos Aires a couple of years ago to do this gig and found a little little brewery in one the touristy part of town. Really great little beers that they were making, you know, and you go, yes, that's that's what it's about. It's kind of, yeah, for me, coming and sitting in a place like this, you know, um, it's a local brewery, mostly locals here, and I couldn't care less if it's craft or, or the new one that people are trying to take off at the moment is indie. It's such an awful um, term. I don't like just, that at all. Yeah, it's just beer. Ugh. It's just good beer or bad beer. Well, or yeah. So we go back to what I said a little bit earlier. Um, you know, you kind of can't put me in a box. Why, why put beer in a box, you know? And when you look at what's come out and still coming out, even though some of it is a bit muddied, like a black-white IPA, say, som, you know, that gets whatever. Um, some people feel that about my chocolate stout beetroot cake, you know. They think that's a little bit weird, but... I don't think it is, but it's just good beer, you know, and um, local, I don't know, micro, brew pub, they're all good terms. You've just got to do your homework. If you, if you have to look into it, do your homework, enjoy the beer if it's good. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that said, I had a Yenda Pale Ale um, yesterday at the Somerville pub at 12 o'clock. Um, I was doing research. I hadn't had the Yenda Pale Ale, and I was really impressed. Pretty good. All right. That's the Amatil. Yeah, right. Yeah. Amatil, yeah. And um, I was. I've seen them at various bottle shops, and I've gone. I'm not buying that crap. I know where it's coming from, mm. and you know straight away it's. It's not. I think a lot of people do the same thing. So and yeah. I was. I've only had the pale so far, but um, clean, fresh. It, I was very impressed, and I guess it showed up my um, my snobbery bias, you know. So it was a yeah. bit of a slap on the back of the head to go, "Come on, mate, come on." It was good beer, hmm. and that's you know, if you've got a good beer in your hand, true. Yeah, I think like we notice patterns as people who are a little bit more educated. So maybe it's fair enough to avoid that. It doesn't yeah. mean it's all going to be bad, though. Yeah, I and mean, yeah, I think people avoid it for different reasons as mm. well. Um, you know, they they might enjoy the taste, but they might be. Whatever reason tied into the corporate man, that's a whole different debate. It really is. We don't need to get yeah. into that right now. <laughs> um, what are you most looking forward to about the uh, the trip? Um, oh, well, all of it, every day. Um, look, we're going to Vine Stefana, so you know that's. I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect. You know, I don't know if I'm going to see all beautiful shiny state of the art, or whether I'm going to see the old stuff, or. 
you know, going through the tunnels of Pilsner Urquell. I mean, I think we're going and, and checking out um, um, Rodenbach as well. So, you know. Um, and I'm also just looking forward to travelling with 38 other people that, uh, that have passion and have an interest, you know, and um, just want to immerse themselves in this experience. That's the thing. It's about people that you're with enjoying Absolutely. beer, really. and And then eating some good food. You know, um, I've been lucky enough that I've worked overseas a lot and, you know, I'd be with people and they'd just be going, oh, we were in China in 82. This is before the bamboo, the bamboo curtain was just coming down, you know, and we were having some Tsingtao and, you know, we'd get bottles of it because you buy it warm because there's no fridges and you'd stick it on the windowsill and, and go and perform and come home and it's winter so it's all cold and, you know, um, and then you go out and have a banquet of all sorts of weird things, and people are going, "Oh, I just want, I just want Maccas." Yeah, I'm going, yeah. "Are you crazy? What's wrong with you? you know, yeah. Just get into the, just enjoy the experience, immerse yourself in the food, the culture, the beer, the wine, the. Yeah, as soon as you're thinking, "I just want Maccas," then you, the whole meal is lost to you. You're yeah. So if you're travelling with a whole group of people who are buying into that sort of um, philosophy, you're going to be. Enjoying yeah, yourself. Well, it just means you're not you're not really open opening yourself up to the experience of where you are of that moment. You know, it's hardly even a holiday, is it? Yeah. Well, we went we were working, so it wasn't a holiday. Yeah, true, but, yeah. um, we were working hard. So look, I I'm looking forward to selling the tour out. So there's some tickets left. Um, it's a few more left than I'd like, but you know. Well, yeah. Let's let's give you a plug, plug away. Where can we find all plug your information? Away. I'll turn over this part. If you when want is it? Okay, so it's uh, departs October 9th, 2016. Um, nice time of the year in Europe. Not too hot. It's a very nice time. And um, we're not taking in Munich Beer Festival for obvious reasons. You know, if, if you want to go to that, go f- go first or after or whatever it is. Um, but if you want to find out more information, it's Hello World Lower Temple Stowe. And um, you can go to Lower Temple Stowe uh, at helloworld.com.au or pormicurio.net. Um, have a look at it. Um, you can find me. Got any questions? Just ask. But um, it's a rip roarer. Cool. I, I can't wait. Yeah, if you can get your eyeballs on the uh, little pamphlet, have a look because it's a pretty detailed outline of what is included. Are we going to put it up on? Yeah, we'll put it up, up, up on the, the show notes. notes. Where yep. else? Yeah, on PaulMcCurio.net, where you find this? Yeah, yeah. This yep, is up cool. there. It's on my Facebook. I've been sending it out to breweries too. Going, come on, guys, please have a have a please. Didn't work though. When I did cooking with beer, which you know I used beers from Europe and and local little breweries that and big was, breweries. Two thousand and ten um, came out in two thousand and eleven. Right, because I was like just flicking through that recently, and it was kind of interesting to see five years ago. It was a lot more current beers than I thought was around by that time. Mm. Yeah, and a few th- recipes look, with like some temple beers and that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, temple had their saison out at that time, and then that disappeared for a bit. There's no uh, Mornington Peninsula Brewery beer in there because they weren't open yet. Um, I tend to use their porter a lot uh, and their their big um, imperial stout because you know what we have to remember: fat is flavour, and so is alcohol. So when you're cooking, quite often you're looking for those big alcohol characters to, to really add the big flavours. So, But, I mean, when I brought the book out, I was really hoping all the breweries that I'd used would at least buy a couple of copies. Mm. They didn't. So maybe that can make up and promote my but tour also, instead. But also, for a beautiful big imperial stout, it's really um, accessible. Very accessible. Yeah. And same with um, Red Hill. 
you know, and their beers and um, some of theirs, because they're alcohol, big, high alcohol, sweet beers, just go great with stews, pastas, muffins, cakes, ice cream, you, know, you name it. So There's a beer for, beer for everything, really. Absolutely. Um, can we still buy a copy of the book if people are interested in Matter of fact, I've got a couple here for you. <laughs> 35 bucks. No, um, you can still buy copies. Cool. Yeah, it's, they're still around. So, cool. Um, yeah, keep an eye out. Um, yeah. Particularly, you know, as you're saying, with your, your beer coming out in, would you say, 2004, cooking with beer coming out in 2011, 2016, like, that's all still current, you know? It is all current. And back in 2004, I started doing beer dinners. So, um, I remember I'd be riding home on my motorbike in Sydney um, from work and I'd pull up and Chuck Hahn lived up near me and I'd often pull up at this red light and he'd be in his ute and I'd be on the bike and I'd go, g'day Chuck and he'd go, g'day Paul and we'd have a quick chat and you know Chuck was really championing the cause of um, what to drink with food but you know way back then I was I was about what to what beer to use in your food you know and it's it's fascinating and it's exciting and um, hopefully in, on my European tour we'll find people not just being influenced by the American kind of hoppy scene but they might be actually using beer in their food I've got a great book at home called Everyone Eats Well in Belgium I love it and there's just a small section in there of um, of using beer in, in recipes and it's it's been they've been doing it for a long time yeah, your book is great because it's not like um, uh, outlining uh, recipes built around the fact using beer it's all just Good recipes incorporating beer in it. Yep. Uh, I think the tagline of the book is, if it's got liquid, why not use beer? Yeah, I hated that tagline, but I did say it. If, I think it makes if, a lot if of sense, a recipe, though, yeah. if, if there's liquid in a recipe, it may as well be beer. I thought it was a little bit too off the cuff, but it's true. You know, um, look, sometimes um, making muffins and things, I'd actually get rid of, I'll weigh the egg and get rid of it, and I'll use that weight in beer. And, you know, so it's just, but, but using it in a harmonious way. You know, but like, even if as, as off the cuff as it is, that was the like that tagline when I got the book sent me on a tear of cooking recipes out of the book. Cool. So, because um, it sort of I sort of went, yeah, well, why wouldn't you use the beer as, yeah. a, as a liquid if that's in the book? What's yeah. your favourite recipe out of the book then, Dave? Um, I liked two in particular. I liked the meatloaf. Um, I mean, which was wrapped in bacon, so it's hard. Of course, to really, anything yeah, wrapped in yeah, bacon exactly. with beer in it, it's got to um, be good. And the other one was the little. Um, the, I don't know what you, the title of the recipe was called, but it was um, like baked eggs with baked beans. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, was there was it's, um, three bean um, baked eggs. Yeah, it's delicious. Yeah. Three bean, so, so it's three, know. a whole lot of beans, you know, good old, I love black-eyed beans, red kidney and bortolotti, uh, bortolotti beans, and then, you know, big, um, you know, chorizo and all that stuff, and a nice, again, a, a porter imperial stout or or a duvel i mean you know in a sense duvel's got a kind of light character but think, jesus it's a I great think beer back in the day i used a double trouble from holgate for that oh, yeah. particular wow. recipe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. double trouble yeah. so it worked well great um anything you want to add paul about the tour cooking no, with look, beer beer in general what are the um, websites again um look uh, you can go to paulmercurio.net and I better make sure there's some stuff up on there. There's there's some recipes on there. There's some deep and meaningful poetry that I've written. So awesome. you might not want to click on that link. <laughs> uh, the tour stuff will be up. I've got Facebook pages everywhere with cool. you know for for Mercurio's menus, a book, uh, cooking with beer, and then my latest is Kitchen Mojo. There's a few beer recipes in there. Oh, awesome. Go to lowertempestow.com and um, you know. So you geeks can find it. You're familiar with the internet. Yeah, and we'll, we'll put all the links on our website, on aleofthetime.com, if you're a new listener. It's a tour. That, it's something that I've always wanted to do, and um, 
and really what we've done is just make it easier for it to be able to happen for you. So um, come along. Good tour. If you're uh, looking to go to Europe that time of year, beer tour, yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty uh, good combination really. Yeah, yeah, that sort of transport, it's probably not that easy to organise yourself, so have someone else do it. And then after the tour, after you've had 12 days of drinking beer, go to, go to Disneyland in France or something. <laughs> we'll just go eat... Uh, Eat croissants and Go back to Belgium <laughs> and have some more sours. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's wrap this up. Right. Paul, thank you so much for coming along. Thank uh, you for having and, me. And good luck with the tour. Um, and yeah. We'll Enjoy uh, yourself. Chat soon. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that, that portion of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Now. As teased at the top of the show, mm-hmm. uh, if you are in Brisbane for Bruce Vegas, we have sort of um, picked and choose out of the available events and mm. pretty much singled out some that we think will be good fun. So we've chosen five each. Yeah. Uh, so in, in lieu of our normal recommendations, we've gone through and... Some Bruce Vegas recommendations. So do you want to kick it off? Yeah, sure. The first one that I've got uh, penciled in that might be some good fun is the... Uh, bike and Brews event, uh, which is a three-hour cruise on some bikes around the city, uh, hosted by, I think, Ben from Bridge Road, hmm. followed by lunch and beers at the Fringe Bar. Uh, that's going to be on Sunday the 13th, and is a free event. So, free? Yep. Really? Well, I mean, the yeah, lunch and beers, beers are going to be, yep. uh, you have to pay for that, but I reckon that'll be a good one. Excellent. What's next? Uh... Next up is, I don't know if we've vetted these to see if we've got any overlaps. I don't think there's any overlaps. Oh, okay, good one. Uh, next one I've got was uh, The Cream, which is Modus Operandi and Boat Rocker at Scratch, which is a beer and gelato themed event. So I've been to a beer and ice cream b- event before. It was really good. I successful. Loved it. Yep. Excellent. Uh, and also, I mean, Modus Operandi are flying. Boat Rocker are one of the premier brewers in the country. So if you get a chance to go to one place where those guys' beers um, is uh, featured with any kind of matchings, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, that's also a free one. So, um, Prices, right? Yeah, exactly. Again, I'm assuming you're going to have to pay for something. Do you want to um, have a couple? In? Yeah, yep, have a sure. couple there. No one wants to hear me talk on for ages. So my first one is the Green Mile with Green Beacon. Basically, it's 45 bucks. Yeah. And, um, so they call it the, the mile between two venues Green Beacon and this other one which I can't remember off the top of my yeah, head yeah okay um, and you get three meals and a beer at each one um, that you can redeem throughout the week right it's kind of an a week thing okay so you can do them all one day or you can do it on the Sunday do one on the Tuesday sounds like a good thing to just pepper through your Bruce I think it's a really good yeah. idea like I can imagine doing it you know Smith Street for example uh, for Melbourne could be a week I CBD Smith Street I feel like someone should steal that idea because one of the things with Good Beer Week is you're kind of milling around the city heaps. Um, so you're yeah, not, it's a great idea. So, yeah, you, your plans kind of change all the time, so you're not really locked in. You mm-hmm. can just do what it will. So, yeah, good idea, everyone. My next one, uh, it's called Baby Backs Barrel Aged Battle of Brisbane and Brews. Yeah, it's one that I was going to pick. That sounds like a good one. So, this is basically going to release a barrel-aged Battle of Brisbane American Stout. Um, so it's the, the the Gresham and Fortitude Brewing. Cool. Um, so yeah, barrel aged, uh, barrel aged stout and some low and slow meat. What Can't else do you want? Yeah. Switch Dave? it back. All right. Next one on my list is 
Fanbar in the city. Obviously, if you're a regular listener, you're aware that Two Meter Tall are a uh, a brewery close to our heart. So uh, it will be remiss of us to not mention their event, which is going to be a paired lunch at the Farrier Bar and Supper Club on the second Sunday, the 20th. Well, it's going to be $45. If you um, haven't had the chance to try some Two Meter Tall beers, I don't know what their distribution is like into Queensland. Not sure. But... If you have had them, you know it's going to be great. If you haven't, do yourself a favour and check it out. That'll be a good one. Real Ale, Ribs and Retro. We've got cast beer for this one. Uh, New England Brewing Co. doing cast beer. Ribs. Like, come on. Who doesn't love ribs? And then uh, a little bit of retro gaming, so in the form of Goldeneye. Cool. That's, uh, what's that, Saturday the 12th and it's free. That is, that is proper retro, eh? Strikes a chord in the heart of every That's probably like the 25 years and over. Yeah, definitely. Right? <laughs> That's the holy trinity. Whose turn? Me? Or you? Oh, I'll go. Yeah, uh, go on. Next one I've got is Bloodhound Bar, Sunday the 13th. Uh, it's free. It's Pints for Pause. So it's an RSPCA celebration uh, featuring some of the Sydney, Sydney Brewing Companies. It doesn't actually say who it is. Right. But. Who cares? Celebrate. Yeah. That's a good cause. You're going to help out some dogs. Yeah. The dogs are great. Mm-hmm. Most of them are great. I'll go with the next one. This one's more on the extravagant side, but if you're going to maybe do one thing for Bruce Vegas, this is well worth consideration, the Pirate Life River Cruise. Uh, I don't know what more you want. It's a luxury yacht that's going to be uh, featuring Pirate Life beers and some barbecue going around the beautiful uh, Brisbane waters. That's 200 bucks on the Saturday the 19th, so on the second weekend. But if it's 200 bucks. And it features the likes of Pirate Life and some barbecue. You reckon you'll be getting the value out of that. So, I reckon, yeah. Uh, that's going to be fun, I reckon. Uh, and we've talked about this on the show before about the double IPA. This was previous to it winning the or getting third in the Hottest 100. Uh, that's getting scarcer and scarcer. So that might be oh, your best chance to, to get your fill. Yeah, before yeah it it's runs a good out. point. Um, my final one is Gift of the Gabs. Which is uh, at the pump house there with Four Hearts brewing their Gabs beer. Cool. Uh, again, free. Get along to the pump house and get a bit of a insight into what the beer is. That is really, be. really smart uh, marketing from Four Hearts. It's an awesome one. Yeah, it really is good. Um, and I really like Wade's beers. I, to be honest, I didn't like his Gabs beer last year, but a lot that of that was a saison, wasn't it? The carrot saison. Yeah, I wasn't a fan either, but um, it certainly got a lot of positive press. So um, there's a dog oh, that's going to join us. Yeah, but I thought we'd get him on mic. That's all right. Um, so yeah, uh, get along to the Palm House. It's a venue that I really want to go along to because, um, as I said, I really like his beers and it looks like a beautiful venue. So, yeah. Excellent. All right, my final one is going to be the 8 Wide Meet the Brewer session. Um, if you listen to our show, you would have heard our Soren episode. Hmm. He's just one of the best dudes to talk to and listen to. So if you haven't met him or heard him uh, speak about beer and he's just remarkable life thus far <laughs> then um, it would be a good option to head down to uh, Malt Traders uh, on the 15th so on the Tuesday evening uh, $45 for that one so uh, I reckon $45 will go a long way at that sort of event so. I reckon and some of the beers that he's just been putting out lately he's is absolutely killing it from the new brewery so yeah. um, that's actually probably a good value selection I would have thought um, I should say before we finish that knee deep Simtra that we've been enjoying yeah. in the park has been delicious it's this whole a time. It's a belter. It really like um, 
crosses all the boundaries that we've put up for ourselves um, for IPAs that we think are good and enjoyable. Mm. But uh, at, I don't know, 11.25% or whatever it is, um, it is an absolute astonishingly good IPA. It hasn't been a struggle at all. It pro- no, it's actually been the opposite. You I'm kind drink of disappointed we've only got one bottle. Yeah, <laughs> true. Um, it drinks really easy. It drinks clean. It's beautifully clear. It looks a treat. If you see it around, grab it. It's a good one. How cool. about you, Luke? The social medias. Uh, you can get me at Ale of a Time on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and Snapchat. And Snapchat. I'm probably going to review a, a beer on Snapchat tomorrow. Really? So get in How now. does that happen? I haven't really worked that out All yet. Right, okay. we'll get there, uh, and then maybe do a funny fil- face filter for comedy value. Okay. Yeah. Snapchat people, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, out of out of time anywhere you can find. Let's get us. a Periscope today again. I forgot. We keep. Oh, there. the park would have been perfect. Yeah, I know. Um. Yeah, so many good opportunities. Rate us on iTunes. Taken. We had a couple more ratings recently that were really positive, so thank you so much. We enjoy that. Um, com. Like us on Facebook. Send us a message. If you've got some news that's not Melbourne or even Melbourne news that we've missed, mm. let us know. Um, Big thanks to Paul Mercurio for coming along for the chat. Yeah, um, very appreciative. We'll put all the links again, as we said, during that chat uh, on our show as well, mm-hmm. in the show notes. Um, yeah, see you in two weeks' time. Great.